Hey guys, Nick Drosos, Dr. Andrew Steinberg, and welcome to another episode of Have the Balls to Talk About It. And this week, Andrew, what are we going to be talking about? Well, this week we, I wanted to talk about uh, prostate cancer screening. It is Movember, okay. uh, which is typically associated with prostate cancer or, or men's health. So I thought it was a good, uh, a good topic to bring up because we hear so much about it and the importance and everything like that. Uh, but I wanted to take a different angle. I wanted to look at the controversies of prostate cancer screening, detecting prostate cancer, and uh, uh, because it's not as clear-cut as, as we made it seem. We've seen on previous shows, we talk about importance and finding it early and, and, and treatment and everything like that. Uh, but I think that there's a, there's a flip side to that, uh, which has a big cost to, to society. And I want to talk about that uh, today. So when we talk about controversies, what do, we, what do you mean exactly? So it sounds straightforward. You screen as much as you can, try to find these diseases, whether it be prostate cancer or, or, or other cancers. Uh, as early as you can, so you treat them and you cure. But it, it's not, it's not, it's not that simple. And there are actually many societies out there uh, that say you should not screen for prostate cancer. And, and why is that? So why? well, I'm going to go through a bunch of okay. points. But just this came to a head probably about five to six years ago when there was there was a, a U.S. task force looking directly at prostate cancer screening. Okay. And their conclusion was essentially to stop prostate cancer screening in males. Completely? Completely. Now, there was a lot of studies done subsequently, uh, and they reversed their, their guidelines. Sorry, uh, sorry, how does that make sense? So the, their, their idea was we're going to completely yeah. not Yeah, so, so basically cancer. what they said is prostate cancer uh, screening is not perfect, side effects and so on, let's not do it. So let's go, let's, let's go okay. through some of the points that, that are, are of controversy in this. Okay, number one, we call lead time bias. Okay. Okay, so what does that mean when you're looking at all these studies of, of diseases and, and cure rates and so on? It's the earlier you, and this was big with breast cancer, with, with okay. uh, mammograph, uh, mammography saying, well, maybe we shouldn't be screening so aggressively. So what this means, lead time bias, is that you find the disease very early. Okay. In fact, you find it too early. So if someone, from the first day they have prostate cancer cell yeah. to when they die could take 25 years, okay? Yeah. Could take years and years and years and years for, for less aggressive cancers. Okay. So if you the earlier you find it in these studies and the, and the longer you follow patients up, of course it's going to look like you have an, an amazing cure rate. The question is, do you need to find it 25 years earlier or 15 years earlier or 10 years earlier? So if you find it uh, too early, you may be treating people that don't need to be treated, okay? okay? Or don't need to be treated now. But isn't, isn't it like a life or death? Could it be or? It could be, but many of the cancers we find are not life and death. Uh, and sometimes in these cases, the treatments are actually worse than the illnesses. So and, you, this, and this is for the... Strictly for prostate cancer. I'm talking. talking strictly for prostate okay. cancer and, 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 in, and in certain instances in prostate cancer. Okay. There are some deadly, vicious prostate cancers out there which will kill you if not treated rapidly. Um, but some of them are not. And what happened is, let's go back to when I was a student and a resident, um, say 20 years ago, there, anyone who had a small amount of prostate cancer detected, 
boom, prostate was removed, the radiation, and we felt like heroes because we were, we were saving, saving lives. Truth of the matter is, is that most of these cases with minimal two or three little spots of prostate cancer are, would not die in the next five, 10 or 15 years from prostate right. cancer if we did nothing. So that, began, that, that, that begot the whole movement of what we call active surveillance. Okay. Okay, so we don't necessarily, uh, even if we detect prostate cancer, and there's, there's strict criteria of who falls into this active surveillance. Okay. Um, you have to have two or three little spots only. They have to be little spots, not you know, full of an area of the, of the prostate. And they have to be a lower score. Uh, the new scoring system that, that we rate the aggressiveness on the pathology specimens is one, two, three, four, five. So they have to be a one. Sometimes you can push the envelope and if they're small little twos, uh, we can watch those also. So that's number one. Sometimes uh, removing or treating these tiny prostate cancers is like killing a mosquito with a nuclear bomb. Wow. And, and, that's, that's, and, that's... and there can be specific, there can be serious consequences to treatment of prostate cancer, erectile dysfunction, um, uh, incontinence, loss of urine. So is this, uh, is, for me, it's the first time I'm hearing this and it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Is this new? This is a no, new? No, no. This has been new. around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since that big <clears throat> study came out uh, or the task force came out about five or six years ago. Okay. So lead time bias. We find it too early, and let's let's say that you know Mr. Jones is going to have prostate cancer, and you catch it at the age of 50, and you treat him at the age of 50, and let's say he becomes uh, impotent from that, he gets erectile dysfunction. Well, let's say if the same guy we caught it when he was 57, when we needed to catch it, and it had the same cure rate and the same side effects. Well, this guy now lived seven years longer. Right. Without those side effects, but is, is are you playing? Are you chancing it? Are you like well, kind of in the beginning? Everybody was was scared. Yeah, you know, active surveillance was we, you know we were we were petrified. Um, like how do you now? Know? Like do I wait now, five years? Do I wait seven? Again, years? Again, it's based on it's it? based on your experience, and it, and it's and it's based on these strict criteria. And now that we've been doing it for fifteen years, I have full comfort in saying to a patient, "Look, you have a minute amount of prostate cancer. You're not going to die from it." Let's watch it. And it's not, hey, take care, I'll see you in 10 years when you're dead. Okay, no. We watch them carefully, we do blood tests and, and rectal examinations two to three times a year. We do another biopsy uh, about a year later and then 18 months after that. Now we're starting to squeeze in MRIs and other imaging, so we're getting better in how we are, uh, you know, observing these patients and then if you see something then you take a decision then if you see changes or progressions boom you're ready to go okay. and I, I've probably I followed hundreds of patients like this and I don't remember a single one who we've lost that window of opportunity and some are 12 years later and, and have never had therapy and some are you know, have gone six years and, and progressed and had to go on for therapy and, and and you know we never lost anybody that went from from zero to a hundred okay between our, our careful watch. Well, our Costa, who's been on our show, his prostate was removed. His prostate was removed. And he, he's, I mean, we talked about it and it's, and it's a miraculous case because he got caught so early and found so early and detected and, and, and I'm sure he's gonna do amazing. He's the exception to the rule. Okay. So that, 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 that's, that, well, let's, let's lead that into the other point. If we look at Costa and just look at him, we say, you need to screen for prostate cancer, yeah. okay? 
But what if I told you we need to see a thousand people to find one Costa? Yeah. So, of course, if you're that Costa, yeah, like, or his brother, or his mother, or his sister, or his father, uh, you know, you're saying, okay, let's do it. But if you're healthcare providers who have trillion dollar budgets, over, over budgets, uh, you know, you have to at one point draw the line mm. and say, what is the cost of screening? Mm. Okay, we, we often use uh, the term NNT, uh, numbers needed to treat. Okay. or numbers needed to, to, to screen. So how many people do you need to treat with prostate cancer to save one life? So you would say, well, we, we treat one, we're saving his life. No, that's not true. Because if we, if we don't treat one or two or 10 of those people, as I said before, most of them won't die. Okay. Uh, one in seven men has prostate cancer, one in 35 men dies from prostate cancer. So there's, there's a big gap there. So how many, and the number, so, so studies have shown that even the studies that led to the, uh, this task force committee saying we don't need to or we shouldn't be screening for prostate cancer, um, that there are, are good studies which show uh, that prostate cancer screening does save lives. Okay. I think the question is at what cost? Mm. Uh, and what I was really disappointed in this whole argument is, is no one looked at, the, the no one discussed in this, in this, in, in this whole uh, conversation about you know, how are these studies done? Um, is there other ways that we're screening? To me, it was just, uh, we're not perfect. Let's bury our head in, under the yeah. sand and forget that the problem exists, which is obviously wrong. People do die from prostate cancer. Um, and these studies were done because I told you it takes a long time to follow patients with prostate cancer to see how many are going to die because it's a slow-growing disease. Mm. So these were all studies done uh, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And there was a lot of, you know, variations in the studies and mistake, not mistakes in the study, but there was a study where people who weren't supposed to be screened were actually screened. Mm -hmm. There was actually a study where some of the people included were women, which wow. doesn't make sense because women don't have, you know. So it, it, it's, all, um, it, it's all a mess at these studies. There was no real study using today's medicine to look at, to answer this question. And what I say today's medicine is because we're not doing the same thing now that we did 20 years ago. Before, when I first started, like I said, as a student and as a resident, we would have one abnormal blood test. You'd go for biopsy the week later. You'd have one little thing and boom, your prostate's out. Look how it's changed in the last now, 20 years. Now, I see a guy with, a high, with an elevated PSA sent to me from the family doctor. So what do I do? I repeat it. That's already, I didn't do that 20, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. And... The blood uh, test you repeat. And probably 50% of the blood test. And 50% of the time, it comes back normal. So there are variations, yeah. and we don't have to act on the first one. And sometimes, I'll even repeat it a month later, and I'll look at what it was a year ago, how fast it's rising. Is it, is it a big, quick rise that's more worrisome? Is it just a slow rise over time, which can just be attributed to the normal growth of the prostate? So these are some of the factors. Now, I send patients for an MRI of the prostate before I biopsy it. Because one of the one of the issues also is not just uh, the side effects from surgery. One is the side effects from screening. You know, you you go for a biopsy and you can have bleeding and infection. Biopsy is done through the bum with an ultrasound probe. Okay, so we poke right through the rectum into the prostate. Now the rectum is full of shit, which is full of bacteria. So we give, of course, patients antibiotics to prevent them from getting infections. But uh, but it is possible to get bad infections from that. So we want to avoid 
We want to do biopsies in patient, patients who need it, and we want to avoid it in patients who don't. So MRI has been a much more sensitive test looking at the prostate and looking for abnormal areas to see if we need to biopsy or not. And it also makes the biopsy more uh, precise because we can see, if we see an area, we can actually target that area through the biopsies as opposed to before how we did biopsies, we just divide the prostate up into templates and just take a sample from each box. So now we still do that, but now if we see something on the MRI, we can say, okay, we're gonna take you know, our random biopsies and we're gonna take three or four in this suspicious looking area. So not only are we avoiding biopsies in some cases where the MRI is completely clean, but our biopsy detection rate uh, is much better because we're doing much more accurate biopsies. So none of this stuff has been looked at um, in these studies which are setting policy for the most common cancer in men. Uh, so it, to me, that's, that's a little bit uh, like burying your head in the sand, like I said before. Um, let's see how we're doing it now. Let's yeah. try to find it better. Let's be more aggressive to screen, to find those one, and, and learn how we can find the important ones. And let's treat less the ones w and try to figure out who doesn't need to be treated. I have a question. <clears throat> is this your standard of practice or is this all the urologists? Like anybody in the States? Uh, I, I think if same? you ask five urologists, you're going to get six different opinions. Okay? For real. So uh, everyone, you know. So I another urologist like, might say, I, I would just remove it right away. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and the States is more aggressive than Canada. This whole idea of active surveillance. Okay. Uh, we were way ahead of the curve in, in Canada. Um, than they were in the States, and it, it really came down the line, uh, uh, you know, several years later. But now it's pretty mainstream all over the world that um, we don't aggressively treat small, low-grade prostate cancers. We watch them. But in Canada, the urologists follow the same? If somebody sees you and sees another one, is it pretty much the same thing? Or uh, th there, there are differences. There okay. are differences in... in, in and where people feel comfortable and when they're going to pull the trigger, so to speak. Um, I use MRIs as just some of my partners. I know a lot of people who don't use MRIs. Part of that is based on the fact that they don't agree with the studies. Um, part of that is based on the fact that in our system, MRIs are expensive and hard yeah, to get. Yeah. Uh, so if you can't get it done in a private center, uh, you may be waiting a year, which is dangerous in, in certain cases. So. From a patient, sorry, Andrew, from a patient's perspective, like somebody who's watching or myself, yeah. what, do I, what do I say? What do I do? What do I look for? What advice do you have? Well, look, I, I can just say what I, what I would do with myself and my father. Uh, and that would be, uh, I believe in what I call and other people call smart screening. Okay. Not the old model, uh, which very few people do today anyways, but you know, it's not abnormal PSA, biopsy, one or two abnormal cells treatment, you know, it's a whole process. And uh, I think uh, aside from the cost of the system, because obviously if you're repeating tests and doing MRIs, there's a cost to that. Um, I think it's the most prudent way in finding those who need to be biopsied and, and finding those who need to be treated. Uh, just, just as an update, that task force has changed their stance uh, about four or five years after that based on some follow-up studies and everything. And they basically recommended that, not no screening, but between the age of 55 and 70, that the physicians should discuss all the risks and benefits of screening for prostate cancer, uh, which is better than it was before, 
completely impractical because as you can see it's it's a it's a it's a 40 minute discussion yeah. you know you can't properly explain to the average person all the implications of screening and so on so what i've seen is some people just stop screening some gps just stop screening say it's not necessary and and some people went back to the old you know a uh, regular psa is high and, and if it's high then they send them to the urologist and, and we take care of the rest mm. um which is good because they they you know not everyone who comes to me with a high psa gets biopsy obviously like i said i repeat the psa and, and all that stuff so uh i i think we need to be smart with our screening and, and less aggressive with our, our treatments and we know that from experience and from lots of experience that being less aggressive is not uh, is not bad. It's actually good. Uh, people will not slip through the cracks as long as they're compliant and come up for their follow-up visits. Once in a while, you get someone who, you know, supposed to do a PSA in three months and come back, and then you know you see them four four years later and their PSA is now super high, and you do miss yeah you, you do miss that window well, I, of opportunity I, I, because they never they never came back. I think it's the fear. As soon as we hear cancer, we hear. Well, that's it. They're, they're, Take it out. Yes, yeah, like, exactly. So, and I and I sit and and I and I tell patients, I said, don't think of this as you know, not every cancer is created equally. Think of this maybe as a precancerous lesion that we're going to follow and make sure it doesn't become cancer. There was even debates of whether we should, should call this cancer. Saying, yeah, it should be yeah. called like yeah, but uh, it's it's cancer. It does does you know stand the definition of cancer? But you know there are less aggressive ones and and, and more aggressive ones. Testicular cancer. You know, if you watch that, you'll be dead in three months. It grows like wirefire. Wow. Prostate cancer, like I said. And, and, and just to, to add to what I was saying in terms of that screening point, <laughs> men over 70, we talk about the life expectancy. So an, a man in his 70s has about a 10-year life expectancy or less. It sounds bad if you're 75, but that's just that's based on statistics. And if prostate cancer takes 15 years to kill you, then mm -hmm. someone who has... Uh, you know, uh, uh, at 65, you're like, just leave it. Like, right, well, not 65, but uh, over 70, 70 yeah. yeah. Now, there are 72-year-olds who are in better shape than you, and there Phenomenal. are 65-year-olds <laughs> who, you know, have end-stage diabetes, yeah. kidney failure, whatever. So we don't, we don't actually use the age more the life expectancy. So typically, if someone has a life expectancy because of all their other diseases of, of less than 10 years, they're probably not a good... It's probably not necessary to screen them. I think this is a great topic. To me, yeah. this is all new. So um, I think it's important to understand the whole yeah. controversies because it's out there, and uh, you know, probably a lot of these people watching have gone to their GPs. Some of them, or probably half of them, and who said it's not necessary. But um, I think there is there is a life saving advantage in screening, just done properly, not overly aggressively. Uh, and, uh, and we need, you know, obviously there's a lot of research going on different ways of screening. Uh, you know, every couple of years I've seen changes in my practice and how I screen. And, uh, and there's, I know there's new stuff down the roads, new, new, um, new testing, blood testing, urine testing, scanning, uh, all, all sorts of things that we'll see will evolve. But, uh, which is, I think, a lot better than, again, Burying your head head in the sand. We've got to do an episode as well on testicular cancer. Yeah, that that's that's definitely that's, that's a good one yep. too. So guys, I, I mean this. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you want to learn more, happy November. Subscribe, hit the bell. Uh, we'll put the link as well in the comment box of our podcast. So if you want, you can listen to it while you're in your car, at the gym, at home. So we'll put the link in the comment box. 
as well as let us know what are some of the topics you would like us to talk about. So we want to thank you for watching. Have the balls to talk about it. The, the testicles.